Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Filthy, horrible, dirty morning out there this morning. A lot of wind too. If there's anything traffic-wise that you think we should know about, do give us a call or a text. 1850-715-996 or text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. The email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Just get in touch if and when it is safe to do so. If there's any trees down or any roads flooded or any roads blocked where you are, just do let us know so we can let the listeners know. Because it's a filthy, dirty morning. And it's had to turn in particularly filthy and dirty in the last hour or so. It's practically dark now as I look out the window of Studio One here in Broadcasting House. Good morning. Uh, lots to do today uh, when we are... Our 17-year-old children are now the chosen victim of gangland feuds. Have we reached a new level in this country? Have we come down now to the point where the stuff we would normally see on Netflix or on the weirdest satellite television channels at four o'clock in the morning, they're now normal on the streets of our capital city? And also, uh, when a man living in a tent uh, with nowhere else to go is picked up in a loader and crushed, what is going on on our streets? All that to come this morning, but first of all, some good news. I saw this release coming through last evening, a statement from Clóis de Imon or Deer Park, as the rest of us will always know it, I guess, uh, Principal Aaron Wolf. A reprieve, Aaron, for the cans. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you doing? Good, good, but it, I'm saying I'm, I'm not doing half as good, I think, as yourself and Hamza and his family. Ah, uh, it is great news. I mean, it was, uh, as we said, last-minute reprieve. We had a phone call from the tarnished to Simon Coveney um, just to say that Charlie Flanagan will review the case and the cans wouldn't be um, transferred today. 
So um, it, it is good news. And I mean, we, we, we thank Simon Coven, we thank Michal Martin, both who helped us greatly on this matter, you know. Because uh, what people might not realise would be that in a situation like this, where, where a person is facing a deportation order for whatever reason, the Minister for Justice has the executive power to put a stay on it and indeed cancel it completely. Yes, indeed, and that's what we were calling from from the very beginning, because uh, the, the cans, and we, we want to emphasize, the cans are here legally. You know, they, they, have, they are here legally, um, but they were being transferred to the UK under what's called the Dublin Agreement. Yes. But as our campaign was pointing out, and not to get too political about it and get into the facts of the Dublin Agreement, but the du- Dublin Agreement is an unfair law, and it has already been stopped by several EU uh, member states. To explain for um, listeners, Aaron, the Dublin Agreement states that when you're coming to Europe from another part of the world, as the cans were, that you must seek refuge or seek asylum or whatever the the proper phraseology is in the first European country into which you arrive. In their case, it was the UK. They didn't feel safe there for reasons that uh, they prefer not to go into for legal reasons, I guess. So they came here. Exactly, exactly. And several member EU states have already stopped uh, enforcing this law. And I mean, Angela Merkel herself has come out and said the law is not fit for purpose. Um, and you have other countries then that are refusing to take back the people, you know, like I think Greece is inundated with, because that's the first country naturally people arrive into. People naturally arrive into Italy. But that doesn't mean you want to set up your life in Italy. And I think it, it, you know, and it's proven, I mean, it's gone through the courts um, that the Dublin Agreement is um, an unfair and unjust law. And it is inhumane. It does infringe on the dignity of asylum seekers. I mean, just because the cans arrived in England doesn't mean that they they should have to set up their life um, in England. You know, they might feel very unwelcome. And in this case, they did feel unsafe in that country. Um, And a lot of messages into our school are stating that Ireland is for sharing. And it's a wonderful country. And, um, and these guys are an addition to the country. And as we've been saying all week, you know, they are great academics. They, they want to learn. They want to go to university. And they want to contribute to our society in the future. Now, is this a reprieve? Is it just a reprieve? Or can they breathe easy now? I mean, could this all revisit them again once the election is over, for example? Because there's no doubt about it. It's fortuitous for them that the election was called when it was because it probably it probably pushed Charlie Flanagan's hand uh, well we were worried it could have gone one way or the other you know it could have gone one way or the other with that really you know a party could have made a stance on it in any particular way um uh, we could have been bumped off the news as we were from some stations uh, because of the election. You know, we, yeah. it, it was more important to, to publicise posters going up early rather than the plight of asylum seekers. But not not yourselves, obviously, because you've been great. You've been great to give the airtime to this and to help spread awareness of the story. But yeah, we would we would we would hope and um, that the next minister of justice would continue the work of Charlie Flanagan. I mean, a commitment has been made to review it and take into account the huge petition and the huge outpouring of support and we've had several different agencies it's not just our school it's not just the Edmund Rice Schools Trust or UCC several other groups have come forward to say you know they want to put their to put their support behind the Can family and um uh, he had flown in with us there yesterday and she met the lads and to, to meet them like anyone who's kind of passing dis- and you met Hamza PJ there when yeah, he was in the fabulous studio but, fabulous fabulous, but anyone to meet these boys would say jeez do you know what this is heartbreaking and when Fiona was in with us yesterday to, to, to meet the students 
they, our student population were devastated yesterday. There was a horrible atmosphere here in the school. We had students uh, queuing up to sign this petition. They weren't asked to sign it, uh, but they volunteered to sign it. And they were all, everyone was kind of really upset. I had a fella come in to me asking, you know, is there anything, a, a third-year student, uh, is there anything he could do? Could he send money to them? I said, well, they don't need money. But, you know, that kind of, yeah. it, it was awful for, to, but to see young people, the whole school population, it was a very unusual day yesterday because yesterday we were totally in limbo, mm. not knowing whether the can's last day. So, like I said, they can breathe easy now and it'll be dependent on whoever is ne- Minister for Justice after the election, whether this remains stayed, whether the, the, the Minister for Justice can, in fact, tear up the deportation order. He can. He can, of course. Yeah, he can, of course. So, look, we'd be, we'd be, we'd be very confident. Well, we, I don't want to sound too cocky, but we'd be, uh, we'd be hopeful that um, this, this is the end of the matter and that the Cannes family can continue with their formal education in this country. Mm. Are the lads back in school today? Oh, they were, <laughs> funny enough, yesterday, we were saying they, they had to come to school yesterday, you know, you can't take. So they are, they the three boys, now Hamza is going up to Dublin with his dad, because the dad still must present, your procedure still must be followed, and mm. the dad must still present himself at the Garda Immigration Bureau. But we have it categorically, they will not be detained there, yeah. and they won't be deported. Right. But the procedures still must be followed, and thankfully it was only Dad was requested to go up. So Hamza has gone with Dad because Dad doesn't have any English. And when they get there, they will meet Eddie Burke, who represents the Edmund Rice Schools Trust, yeah, yeah, and a yeah. school from Dublin that are sending out some students as well to um, support the Can family, just to be there so they're not there on their own, yeah. which is brilliant. Yeah. It really shows young people and the power of young people. It's fantastic. Indeed it does. A statement from uh, Simon Coveney's office. He became aware of the case through a number of contacts from concerned parties at UCC and at the Lads School. He looked at the available information and became concerned himself. That led him to contact the Department of Justice and Minister Flanagan. The Department has now undertaken to review the case, which the Minister at the Tonister welcomes, and the family are not facing the prospect of immediate deportation. And there'll be no further comment until the review is complete, is what, what, what Simon Coveney has said. So, so there it sits for now. Exactly. And, you know, in, in, in fairness to them, like Simon Comey rang me himself at 7 o'clock uh, last night. I was getting, uh, I mean, I was on to Hall Martin at 12 o'clock last night about it. So, you know, in fairness to them, they, 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 they did, they, they, they came out and, and rallied. And they rallied behind us because I think of the, the overwhelming support we were getting from the public and the coverage on the media. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. Our, our email accounts and our phone numbers here in the school, they've been ringing with uh, messages. Before. We're getting postcards from people around the country saying thank you for bringing this to the you know to the public eye um, and it's great and it's great to see young people doing so well in this country and people wanting to be involved in the Irish education system because it really shows that the Irish education system is probably the best one in Europe it's a great system we have here so, so somebody contacted the show the other day uh, after you had been on with Hamza to say that you weren't very kind to the British education system just just uh, but I, uh, to that person, what I would say is talk to the teachers in England and maybe talk to the, how the government in Britain treats their teachers. And I think they're dealt with very unkindly. And, you know, yeah. All right. um, I've had family who have gone through the English education system myself. But um, the Irish education system is uh, it's top notch. You know, the Leaving Cert is a, is a very important exam and it has integrity. Well, actually, we just had someone on the phone there now, a listener who taught in England and agrees with every word you said the other day that the system isn't a patch on ours over there. So, Well, I, what I'd say, and I don't want to just become a teaching debate now, but teaching is a very tough job. You know, people often kind of cast aside, say, actually, you get three months off a year. 
but you're, it's a, it is a very stressful job, and especially in secondary school, you are working with people at their most difficult age. Teenagers can be difficult, and it is a real vocation for people to really be able to work with teenagers and to get through teenagers. Yeah. Ask any parent of a second year, and they'll be able to tell you, geez, they're tough going. Well, 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 you know. well, <laughs> well clearly you, you, you enjoy your work, um, and, and, and certainly as acting principal of Clash yeah, Amon Race, it's been a big week for you and for the college, and but most importantly for the Hamza, or for the, for the Khan family. Aaron, thanks very much. That's Aaron Wolf, acting principal of Clash Amon Race. The news being, yes, was it, what day was it? Wednesday or Tuesday morning. Hamza Khan and Aaron were in here with me in studio and Hamza was explaining to me that this very day they were meant to go to Dublin himself and his entire family were meant to go to Dublin, present themselves to the guards and be deported. That is not now going to happen after Minister for Justice Charlie Flanagan intervened at the last minute. Would they have been so lucky? Would he have intervened if there hadn't been an election? That's just one that you can answer in your own mind. I've no doubt that if I were to ask him, oh, God almighty, no, I read the thing, I read the story, and I was very concerned. But listen, there you go. They're free to stay, for now at least, and the decision will then lie with the next Minister for Justice. Terry says, well, I'm genuinely delighted for the cans. Charlie Flanagan had to do something, because his office isn't really coming up in a good light at the moment. With the election coming up, well, however, it happened, and it's great news. Frank says, just as well, there's an election, it's great news. Kevin on WhatsApp, why don't we teach knowing the law in school? The reason the government will always be able to control us and try to force people at the cans out is we don't understand. The public and someone who knows the law, without the public and without someone who knows the law, the cans would have no choice but to leave as per the order. 1850-715-996. Listen, some good news from Australia. I was commenting on the weather as we kicked off the programme this morning. It is pouring rain in Melbourne. Huge downpours forecast for the duration of the day at least in Melbourne. It's not even half as much as they need. I was talking to someone or WhatsApp message from someone in Melbourne the other day saying it needs to rain and the weather people down there are saying it needs to rain almost non-stop for about 72 hours to try to damp down those fires. Well they certainly are going to get uh, downpours today which will help. On text uh, Pat says, can you just clarify something? A Chinese boy was being deported, I think, last year from Kildare. His mum was seeking asylum, and while in Ireland, she had her son. Now, in Cork, I see a lot about those seeking asylum, young women with babies. Has the law changed? Uh, no, those children born here have no right to Irish citizenship. We had a referendum on that back a few years ago when, was it Michael McDool? was Minister for Justice and brought forward this recommendation or this referendum which we passed and we took the right of citizenship off of people born here. Uh, so when someone like that lad, we, he was that, that, that Chinese lad that you mentioned, we, we have, um, when a child born here is facing deportation, that's our fault. Nobody else's, because we did that we passed the referendum. But no, no law has changed, thanks to that text from Pat. 1850-715-996. What on earth is going on in gangland? It is gone now beyond all possible explanation. The story 
in the news this morning, leading the news, is of a young teenager called Keen Mulready Woods. His head has now been found in a burning car and a bag of his limbs was found in another part of Dublin. And this is part of a feud in Drogheda. You couldn't make the stuff up, but it is reality on the streets of our capital city. 1850-715-996, that's next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Solid Fuel Depot at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Great deals on all solid fuels with seven-day delivery. SolidFuelDepot.ie Wayne Hilton. Wayne Hilton. The Weekend. On Cork's 96FM. Join me Saturday mornings from 10. I've got four hours of the best music mix. Check out the Cork Weekend survey. Have a go at the Wayne teaser question. There's the latest celebrity goss. A look at what's happening around town. And we'll keep you up to date with all your essential Cork news. Wayne Hilton. Saturdays, 10 a.m. With the indoor self-service laundrette at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Duvets, curtains, and everyday washing and drying. Selfservicelaundry.ie. On Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 On Cork's 96 FM. And we've been following this story for the last few days. I guess everybody's been talking about it. The other night in Coolock in Dublin, there was a, literally a gear bag of body parts found on the side of the road. And if that wasn't gruesome enough, in a burnt-out car in Drogheda had more body parts in it, part of it being a human head. And they've DNA tested everything now, and they've traced both the body parts in the gear bag and the head in the boot of the burning car to a young man called Keen Mulready Woods. He was 17. He'd been missing since Sunday, his family reported him missing just hours before his body parts were found by youngsters. And this is now being linked to an ongoing feud in Drogheda. Like, you could not make this stuff up. If you saw this stuff on Netflix, coming up in your stream on Netflix, you'd dismiss it as being far-fetched. Or if you saw it as the plot of a Friday the 13th Freddy Krueger movie, You'd say, come on, give us a break here. This has been happening in the streets of our capital city where a young boy, a child, was abducted, murdered, chopped up, his arms and legs, we believe, left in a gear bag in Dublin, and the rest of him burnt in the back of a car in Drogheda. Mad, utterly mad. 1857-15996. In regard to the Dublin situation, all we know is that a little scumbag, who you'd have to assume acted inappropriately, is now off the streets and no longer ruining lives. Is that a bad thing? It might show a few of the thugs around Cork that actions should have consequences in the real world, even if the Gadi would lead them to believe otherwise. Ah, give us a break. Ah, for pity's sake, give us a break. It's a child, for God's sake. And we're used to, we're used to thugs murdering one another, and God knows murdering each other's partners. But when they're murdering children, we've got a new problem on our hands. Anyway, we'll come back to that. 
We'll come back to that. Another story that dominated, absolutely dominated, the first day of the election campaign was this incident on the Grand Canal in Dublin, the banks on the banks of the Grand Canal, where a homeless man could now be left paralysed after he was crushed during a clean-up along the Grand Canal. Originally, this man was from Eritrea, and he was in his late 20s. He, was suffer- he has suffered life-changing injuries after the tent that he was sleeping in was lifted by a hydraulic grabber at about 1 o'clock Tuesday afternoon. The workmen clearing the area down by the canal heard screams when the tent was listed, or lifted rather. He's now had life-saving surgery uh, after suffering serious internal injuries which are deemed to be life-changing. It, it is a new it is a new story from our homeless crisis and a tragic one. Uh, Father Peter McVerry, good morning. Good morning to you. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Peter, did you know this man or know of him? I didn't know him personally, but our outreach team would have had contact with him on a number of occasions, yes. Yeah. Uh, what I believe happened was that uh, when they were removing the tents, they did check all the tents uh, to make sure there's nobody in them. But this tent had actually collapsed and it was lying flat on the ground and they just presumed that there was a, there was nobody in it. It looked like an abandoned tent. And so when they went to lift it, they heard some shouts from inside and that's what happened. So, I mean, I've great sympathy for the poor man who was operating the machinery. I think he's quite traumatised by this whole event, but it wasn't his fault in any way. How is the poor lad who was in the tent? Do you know? Well, I believe he has serious injuries. He may be paralysed uh, on one side of his body, as is one report that I've heard. But certainly, these injuries are, are life changing. His, his life is going to be different now. Doesn't it again raise the question, Peter, of why anybody in 2020 has to live in a tent? in our capital city or any other city? It does. It raises a lot of questions, actually. Uh, You have to ask the question, why would people sleep in a tent? There are beds actually available in hostels at the moment. There is no reason why anybody uh, would would have to sleep in a tent. But people choose to sleep in a tent, first of all, because they feel safer. There would be four or five people sleeping in different tents in the same little area, and they provide security for one another. Secondly, it provides comradeship. If you're homeless, you you don't have very many friends. You're in and out of uh, different circles, uh, but you don't have any close friends. So in a little tent encampment like that, uh, you have a sense of comradeship which is missing in the hostels. So a lot of people like that feel they're safer on the streets than they are in the hostels. Uh, And I I accept that. I think some of the hostels are excellent and Mm. people are very, very happy in them. But some of the hostels are not not safe places. The most common complaint I get from homeless people is that they're sharing a room with three or four other people. They wake up in the morning, everybody else is gone, and so is all their belongings. And anything of value they may have had, their mobile phone, their clothes, everything has has disappeared. And the second most common complaint I get is that people were assaulted in in the hostels. So they're not. Some of them are not safe places to be. You go into a hostel, you don't know who you're going to be in there with. There are people who you may be fighting with 
you may have had rows with, uh, and you're 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 in there. Uh, one man complained to me he was placed in a room with a homeless uh, adult who had sexually abused him as a child, oh, and he just ran out of the place. So you're put into a room with effectively with strangers, uh, and you have no idea what's going to happen during the night. Some some of the other residents in the room may very well be injecting heroin or smacking, smoking crack cocaine in the middle of the night in front of you. Uh, another complaint I got was somebody who was sleeping in the top bunk and the man in the bunk under him in the middle of the night got up and he started stabbing the mattress in the top bunk with a knife uh, while he was asleep in it. Uh, now, clearly the man in the bottom bunk had mental health issues, but that's the sort of experiences I'm hearing from people in homeless hostels, and I can understand perfectly why some people do not want to go into them. Well, well it certainly does um, you know, answer that question that would be on the lips of most people, that if there is a bed for you, is it not infinitely better than sleeping in a tent? You've just given a half a dozen reasons why it might not be. How do we get around that particular issue? Well, I think the bottom line should be that every homeless person has their own room, or at least their own partition, where they can go in, lock the door, know they're not going to be attacked during the night, know their belongings are still going to be beside them, uh, uh, beside the bed when they wake up in the morning. And if somebody does want to use drugs, and they're entitled to a bed at night as well, but if somebody does want to use drugs in the middle of the night, they do it in the next partition and it doesn't affect them. So I think we really have to put a, a more investment in ensuring that everybody has their own safe space when they go into those hostels. And I think that would reduce the rough sleeping uh, very considerably. It is, as we enter an election campaign over the next three weeks, homelessness is... Is it the biggest issue, Father Peter, do you think? Well, homelessness and housing are connected, obviously. Uh, the solution to homelessness is to give people a home. Uh, so homelessness is simply the most visible and extreme consequence of a totally dysfunctional housing system. And until we get the housing system uh, back into shape, we're always going to have uh, have homelessness. So I think it's it's a, it's a problem of, of housing. I think the, the the housing problem has got worse and worse and worse uh, over the past uh, over the past uh, few years, and therefore the homeless problem has got worse and worse. Um, and I think we really need much more radical measures to address the housing situation. And if we could address the housing situation more satisfactorily, then that would reduce homelessness. All right. OK, always a pleasure to talk to you. I know you have another interview to do. Father Peter McVerry, the Peter McVerry Trust, thank you very much for speaking to us on the Opinion Line. 1850 What would he be saying, of course, about people's voting intentions? He would... He's gone off the line now, but he would tell you, look look at what's been put in front of you on the table. Unfortunately, as you enter into an election campaign, everybody will tell you what you want to hear. Uh, I've been criticised for saying this before, but I'm going to say it again. If you believe anything that anybody tells you on your doorstep in the next three weeks, you probably shouldn't be allowed to vote. But at the same time, someone's got to have a solution to this down the road. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Courts 96 FM. With the solid fuel depot at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Call and collect or get seven-day delivery for those cozy nights in. Solidfueldepot.ie. Time to slow it down. Yeah. The Love Zone. The world's greatest love songs. Sundays, 8 to midnight. With headparty.ie. Plan the perfect head party forever. 
every bride at henparty.ie. Corks 96 FM. This is Corks Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Corks 96 FM. So we now have a young man in his late 20s. Uh, homeless man from Eritrea, refugee or asylum seeker, one would have to assume, um, fighting for his life and assuming that he survives will have life-changing injuries. As Father McVeary said, the, the belief is he may have paralysis, permanent paralysis, as a result of being lifted in a hydraulic grab at one o'clock on Tuesday afternoon as part of a litter clearing exercise on on the, the, the canal in Dublin. Uh, the operation was being carried out by Waterways Ireland and he was being treated, effectively the tents were being treated as litter. Now as Father McVeary said, well they had checked the other tents to see there was nobody in them but this one had kind of collapsed and was lying flat so they assumed it was empty grabbed it in a litter picker or grabber and we all know what happened then. Treating tents as litter. It brought up an old conversation that we had on this program back in July of 2018 when we had people living in tents down here on St. Patrick's Quay. You remember that? A little tented community down there for a while. They've all dispersed since, but at the time it was a big talking point. And former Lord Mayor and now Fine Gael candidate Councillor Des Cahill was commenting about it on this very programme. It is a littering issue. This isn't a housing issue and um, it should be treated as litter as all other tents in the city should be also. How do you know it's not a housing issue? We have adequate housing, emergency housing um, positions available. Um, This has been shown time and time again. Uh, Recently again the figures came out to show that um, and that that's the way we deal with housing. We don't allow, we shouldn't allow tents spring up around the city. You wouldn't see them in any other city. So why should we have them here when we don't actually even require them? Well, the volunteers who work night after night on our streets would absolutely disagree with you, Des. They they would say there are people out there who literally have no place to go and their only option is pitch a tent. Well, I fundamentally disagree. That's just not true. Um, There is no... Uh, provision anywhere that uh, shows, or no statistics anywhere that shows that we require tents. He required them. He wanted to have them cleared and treated as litter. And then towards the back end of last year, we had the horrific death, and it's still a gather investigation so we'll be very careful of what we say. The horrific death of Timmy Howrahan up there at the Mardyke. Remind you of that. Here's a Garda press briefing from that time. Remember, Timmy was living in a tent up there in a little tented village, like like Father McVeary was saying, this little community that gathers together for their own support and their own safety. Here's a, a Garda briefing from back there to remind you again. At um, quarter to one this morning, uh, Garda, you received a call from um, witnesses here at the scene who reported a tent on fire and an unconscious man near the tent. Uh, Gardaí arrived at the scene 
and a man was taken away by ambulance to the CUH where a short time afterwards he uh, was pronounced dead. Uh, as a result of um, our inquiries from there, we set up an incident room. We have a senior investigating officer. We have a family liaison officer. And uh, the post-mortem took place today, finishing soon after lunch. Uh, the man has injuries consistent with an assault. He doesn't have injuries consistent with being in a fire. Um, we're appealing for witnesses. So we won't say more about it now because there is a gather investigation ongoing. That was the death of Timmy Howrahan. Not long after that, I went to meet Gary and Mark and Will who were living together in a, a tent on the south side of the city. Now, at night they would generally get a bed in Simon, but if they didn't, this was where they had built a tented home not far from shall we say a well-known a very well-known medical facility on the south side of the city and i spoke to gary mark and will about if you like the the the, the difficulties of, of living there is it dangerous here lads oh. yes they with two or three guys you know here and they're caught over the heads or wherever like, so i mean and they'll literally come in and they'll attack you attack you yeah. for Two years, you know what I mean? Lads, did either of you know Timmy? Yeah, yeah, you we know. All know Timmy. Yeah, we all actually know Timmy. Yeah. You know, Timmy was a nice guy, wasn't he? Mm. Yeah. He never done anything, as far as he was he never done anything to anybody, yeah. you know. And he was beaten with a pulp, I know he's dead. Yeah. I was hospitalized three times already, right? Mm. I was hospitalized three times because the stress. I just can't take the stress. Yeah. I yeah. can't handle it. I actually cannot handle yeah. it because I'm not used to this. Yeah. Like, like, ah. And lads, someone said to me during the week, Timmy isn't the first and he won't be the last. Will not be the last. He will not be the last. That's uh, Gary, Mark and Will talking to me in October. I also spoke for my own... Uh, weekly podcast called 20 Minutes with with Bernard O'Hare who has become very well known uh, in this city over the last number of years a Sligo man who has devoted his life to helping the homeless in, in Cork City uh, we, we we sympathise with Bernard actually at the moment because his mom passed away in the last couple of days so our thoughts are with him and his family but on my podcast I spoke to Bernard about the number of people that he personally knew that he personally had worked with and tried to help who were now dead. You've known an awful lot of people who've lost their lives on the streets. The most prominent one recently was, was poor old Timmy. You knew Timmy. Yeah. Everybody knew Timmy. I only realised after he was dead, Christ, I knew Timmy. Yeah. There are loads more Timmys out there, and that, I think, is that what drives you, Bernard? It is, actually, and as I said, so actually, you know, you can see the pictures behind you there. There's Dublin John, there's Massey. Uh, there's 24 people in total that I've known. Um, you know Daniel's first anniversary is coming up in a couple of weeks and Michael and Richie as well and you know I have and I, again I, I know I've become I suppose in the voice of it but I've known all these people do you know what I'm trying to say and I've been in the, the you know hostels with them or met them out in the street runs do you ever think one of them could have been you? oh 110% uh, um, and I don't, I don't I honestly don't say that lightly there's so many people in the last 12 to say 16 months and it really has got to the stage of, right, 
if I don't get the text message at night, am I going to get it in the morning? Yeah. And or you wake up to a hundred messages and calls or who was it asked me to whatever the case may be, you just never know. You just never know. That's just some selected audio from the last few months. As we on this programme highlighted the issue of tent life and and homelessness and, and the need for housing. And as Peter McVerry said, look, there are reasons why people will choose to stay in tents. That poor man in Dublin, there was a bed available for him if he wanted it. That's a fact. That's an acknowledged fact. But some of these places, you probably feel safer outside on a tent in the street. That's the big problem. That's the whole problem. So where do we go from here? What do we do? It becomes a massive, it's a massive election issue. It's probably one of the key election issues. Follow that one next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the solid fuel depot at Drew's Filling Station Turner's Cross. Focus coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late, seven days. Solidfueldepot.ie Cork's 96FM's Hit Mix Hi, I'm Demi. You can listen to the best hits non-stop playing the freshest and the sickest playlist all the time. Listen on our app or click 96FM.ie This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Text or WhatsApp now 0833969696 On Cork's 96FM So the question is, like, why does anybody have to live in a tent in 2020? There are any number of reasons, as explained by uh, Father McVerry, who has forgotten at this stage more about homelessness than anybody ever else in the country will ever know, I would hasten to, to, to suggest. He said that, well, yeah, there might have been a bed there for him, but what, who would he have been sharing that room with? He, he, out of sheer fear of who this lad in Dublin might have had to share a room with, he chose to sleep in a tent on the Royal Canal. And Timmy, we were told, had a place that he could stay, but he was sleeping in a tent. Why is that? And when people tell you, oh, there's a bed for everybody who wants one, as we learned from, we talked to Gary and his friends during the summer, or during the autumn time, that's not always the case either. It's a massive, massive uh, debate as we head into the election. Solidarity TD and uh, candidate in Cork North Central, Mick Barry. Good morning, Mick. Good morning to you, PJ. Going through that audio uh, of, of stuff from the last year or two, uh, it, it, this, is this the biggest issue going into the next couple of weeks? And realistically, everybody, and I include you in this, everybody will tell us they've got all the answers. What are the answers in your view? Okay, well, the first question is, is it the biggest issue? I think housing and homelessness uh, is right up there at the top. There are other issues, of course, uh, like the crisis in the health service and workers' rights. But there's no bigger issue than the issue of housing and homelessness. So that means uh, the young person who can't afford to rent, let alone to buy. It means uh, the woman with a young child who's looking for social housing. Uh, and it means the people uh, who are... Um, homeless and living on the streets that's up there what can be done ban evictions into homelessness there's a simple idea what do you think of that pj is that constitutionally possible yes i believe it is um it is legal in other countries uh, it's legal in germany and sweden for example where a landlord is not allowed to sell a property 
Well, the landlord is allowed to sell a property uh, with a tenant in it, but only if the tenant remains in situ. All right? Now, is it legal in Ireland? Uh, well, it should be. Uh, is it? Well, you know the, the difference con- in Ireland, Mick, and we've been through this over, over the years on many issues with many politicians. Uh, you know, what's legal, what could be... And you can draw anything into legislation. You you can write anything into legislation. You can have Christmas in July if you want to legislate for it. But constitutionally, can you do it? Okay, well, we're not talking about Christmas in July. You know what we're I mean. Talking you know about, what I mean. We're talking about banning evictions. I understand that, Mick, but I'm just making a point. You can write anything you want into legislation, but under our constitution, which is a difficult document to work with, will it stand up? Okay, the constitution says two things. The Constitution gives rights to private property, which Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil say means that uh, you, you can't ban evictions into homelessness because you're curtailing the private property rights of landlords. However, however, the Constitution also says that it's constitutional to introduce measures which are deemed necessary for the public good. Is banning evictions into homelessness for the public good? Absolutely, it's for the public good. So some lawyers would say yes. Some lawyers would say no. Personally, I think it would be legal. However, if it wasn't, let's have a referendum on it. Yeah. And let's change the law because I'm confident in the people of this country that if they were given a vote on that issue, they would vote to change the law to allow a ban on evictions into homelessness. Mm-hmm. By the way, the, there was a bill put forward in the Dáil to ban evictions into homelessness on grounds of sale of property and on grounds of renovation, which is mm-hmm. what they tried to do down in the Leaside Apartments. Mm-hmm. That bill has been held up by Fine Gael in the Housing Committee for over a year now. When I sit on my seat and I look across the floor of the doll to the Fine Gael benches, for every three TDs I see, one of them is a landlord. When I look to my left, over to the Fine Gael, uh, to the Fianna Fáil benches, for every four TDs I see, one of them is a landlord. We're after having a landlord's doll. The next doll should not be a landlord's doll. It shouldn't be beholden to landlord's interests. It should legislate in favour of the needs of ordinary working people, including tenants and unfortunate people who've been pushed into homes. If it is a thing that the doll numbers were to fall down in a way that Solidarity, your group, has a say, would the cost of you guys supporting any administration be a referendum on this very thing? We would demand that the next government have a referendum on this issue and introduce a ban on evictions into homelessness. Right? If there was a left-wing government available that would implement that and other policies on behalf of working people, we would be very interested in that. Who would you right? be likely to offer your support to from the left side of the house, shall we say? Look, PJ, let's be frank about this. The way things are shaping up, the next government is either going to be a Fianna Fáil-led government on the one hand or a Fine Gael-led government. So you're giving up on, for you on even the start? Not at all. Not at all. Because it's been shown that the only way to get real change in this country is by having a mass protest movement of ordinary working people, whether it be on the streets in big number, strikes and so on. It's been effective in relation to water charges. Yeah. It's been effective but, but in relation to... working people have a vote, Mick, and a lot of that money, if they were to use it on the 8th of February, you know, they might cause some change up there. Yes, but the, the, the votes should be used 
to ensure that there are people in the next doll who will speak out in support of changes like that and who will speak out in support of building movements like that that can put governments under pressure to introduce real change, like we got some change on the water charges and now, like we got a change on the issue of repeal, leaside apartments and other examples. Okay. Just before I let you go, a uh, listener wants to know, make your opinion on the social housing in Montanotti. That's another political football heading into the election. The social housing should go ahead uh, in Montanotti. Uh, the idea that that should be uh, scrapped or watered down as uh, Fine Gael, in fact, Des Cattle, who we heard earlier in the clip uh, and his colleagues were arguing, shows that these people are out of touch, um, 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 posh people uh, who don't understand the real problems facing ordinary people. It should be built. All right. Okay. Leave it there with you now. Make Barry TD of Solidarity. Thank you very much. Uh, We also, seeing as we also heard from Des Cattle a little while ago, and both of them are candidates, I have to do this. You'll be screaming this stuff in your sleep. Des, oh, I beg your pardon, Des is not a candidate, so I don't have to do that list, but I do have to do the North Central list. Uh, so Mick Barry uh, of Solidarity is a candidate in Cork North Central. For Fianna Fáil, you have Apodig O'Sullivan, Tony Fitzgerald and Sandra Murphy. You have Independent, Ken O'Flynn, Labour's John Maher, Sinn Féin's Tommy Gould, the Green Party's Oliver Moran, James Collin of the Workers' Party, Colin Burke and Lorraine O'Neill of Fine Gael, Sinead Halpin of the Sock Dems, Social Democrats, TJ Hogan, Independent, Martin Condon, Independent, Finney and Toomey of AN2, and the list is getting longer every day. But well, we will have to do that whenever we have a candidate on. That's just how it goes. If we're missing anybody, by the way, please let us know because the candidate nominations haven't closed yet. So we're compiling that list as we go through day by day. So we've missed you out on that. Please do let us know. We reached out yesterday through our opinion line Twitter. All of the usual heavy hitters, all of the usual suspects will know how to get onto this programme and indeed any other programme to have their spake during the election. If you're a newbie, if you're contesting for the first time, if you're not 100% sure how to go about it, contact us. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Right. Tickets on sale as of now. For Ross Brown's second date at the Opera House for his Banjaxed show. April 3rd has sold out. Sold out. The little ruffian on the breakfast show has just gone and sold out the Opera House. And he's added an extra date. April the 4th. Tickets on sale as and from now for Ross Brown live at the Opera House on the 4th of April. 1850-715-996 text 083-396-9696 and the email is opinion at 96fm.ie some interesting work done by Rachel Lavin at the Sunday Business Post comparing and contrasting trolley watch figures inside and outside of Dublin we occasionally mention the trolley watch figures on this program we get them every morning we review them, will we mention them, will we not they make the news all too often Cork University Hospital consistently in the top three or top four of the worst affected in the country just last week we had 116 106 people on trolleys across the three hospitals that they count that being CUH, the Mercy and Bantry and that's why the figures are of such interest to us. But uh, Rachel Lavin from, the, Lavin from the Sunday Business Post has been doing some research into the figures. 
And it would seem that the trolley crisis is a lot worse outside of Dublin. This was in the newspaper on Sunday and we said we'd get uh, Rachel on about it. Rachel, good morning to you. Good morning, how now are this, you? This is purely done through analysing the data and yeah. the trolley crisis is a lot worse outside of Dublin. Explain. Yeah, so basically we looked at the figures that are collected by the INMO and they have collected uh, the number of people admitted patients without beds, so that's usually on trolleys, since 2006. So nationally, that figure was 55,720 in 2006, and it's grown in the last 13 years to 118,000 people recorded as being on trolleys during that year. Um, So that's a a 112% increase since 2006 nationally. Um, And if we take 2013, they threw in ward patients as well. So if it was since 2013, it would be 74%. So they're the national figures that we usually see. Um, But what we said was, what if we look at it, we break it down by region, regional hospitals, so outside of Dublin versus the Dublin hospitals. This isn't particularly new. They previously would look at Eastern um, as a kind of historical reference, but we were like, let's pluck the Dublin hospitals and look at them versus the rest of the country. And we see something very different. So if we look at the Dublin in hospitals since 2006 they were um a, it was a four percent increase for Dublin hospitals on the number of patients on trolleys for regional hospitals around the country it was a 187 percent increase in that time wow. and again uh, let's caveat that let's say they started counting wards in 2013 so maybe it's not like for like let's count it from 2013 if it's from 2013 Dublin decreased by 4% and regional hospitals still increased by 118%. Wow. That's very, so, that's that's uh, fairly blunt. Yeah. So we, we graphed this at the Business Post and basically you can see that deviation. They started at the same rough amount. It was about twenty to 30,000 people on trolleys in 2006. And as time goes on, particularly after the recession, you see a huge rise in the number of patients on trolleys in regional hospitals, while Dublin stays the same and at points decreases from 2013. And as they say, the data doesn't lie. Well, <laughs> well, we'll try and analyse it as best we can and find out why the data is saying this. I also had a look at Cork's figures. Yeah. Um, so Cork University Hospital, as of 2019, I can see, I think it's the second worst in the country. It has 11,066 people on trolleys, and that's only after University Hospital in Limerick, which has 13,000. It's a lot higher than even the average mm. for the other hospitals, which usually go around two to 3,000. Um, so in 2006, Cork University Hospital grew 186% in line with our regional figure, but also since 2013, and again, I'm caveating that because they introduced ward figures then, so just to be careful, it's 170%. So it's still, Cork University Hospital is increasing um, at an unusually high rate compared to the rest of the country. The Mercy Hospital isn't as bad. It's increased 27% since 2013, um, which is more in line with the rest of the country. But we can definitely see that that would still be higher than what we're seeing in the Dublin Hospital. All right, very good. Thank you for that analysis, Rachel. That's Rachel Lavin from the Sunday Business Post. She's been putting that data together based on the figures compiled by the Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation. She adjusted the figures to take into account the fact that in 2013 they began to bring in uh, trolleys put into wards.
which was off the the HSE repair we didn't count those but the nurses have been counting them since 2013 because they say that's very important those people are on trolleys too so look at that since 2013 the number of people on trolleys in Cork University Hospital has gone up by 170% the mercy has gone up by 27% 170% since 2013 1850715996 mind you every actually every health minister and the way the dublin figures have panned out nicely and they've leveled off and in fact they've gone down a little bit every health minister since mary coughlin mary coughlin 11 months she spent as health minister back in 2011 they've all been from dublin our last health minister from Cork was Michal Martin. Uh, that's when they made the decision to build the CUMH, and he was the one who set up the HSE, but that's, that's about the by. But there hasn't been a Cork health minister since Michal Martin, quite a long time ago, and since 2013, our trolley watch have gone up by 170%. 185715996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Solid Fuel Depot at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln dry wood and gas. SolidFuelDepot.ie Yeah, Justin Bieber has just announced I have had Lyme disease for the last year and loads of people have been commenting on how bad I look and how uh, wiped out I am and my skin is grey. Hopefully he's going to be alright. He said he's on the main. Can I pitch something? A duet. Yeah. You ready? Okay. The Coronas featuring Justin Bieber, right? (laughs) Do you get it? Right? (laughs) Justin Bieber, right? Put his jocks up as high as you can and then you'll have the Coronas with a wedge of Lyme. (laughs) Casey and Ross in the morning with the new Stena. Estrid, designed in Sweden and sailing soon from Dublin to Hollyhead. Visit stenaline.ie slash Estrid. Corks 96 This is Corks Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 A lot of comments coming in on various items that we're dealing with this morning, in particular that young 17-year-old, Keen Mulready Woods, who was murdered and dismembered over the last number of days. Some comments in there that I think are a little bit shocking to be seeing. I'll get to them in the fullness of time. Some more stuff on the cans and on homelessness as well. So I will come to them. But... I'm going to read you a list of songs. After All by the Frank and Walters. The Banks by Billa O'Connell. Beautiful City by Billa O'Connell. The Boys of Fair Hill by Jimmy Crowley. Going to My Hometown, Rory Gallagher. The Langer Song, Natural Gas. Princess Street, John Spillane. On Poker Willa, Sean O'Shea. Safety Rope by Mick Flannery. And Where's Me Jumper by the Sultans of Ping. That is the short list of ten for the search for Cork's favourite song. It's an eclectic mix, Patricia Looney, down at Cork City Library. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. It's a very eclectic mix. It is, isn't it? It's, uh, it's wonderful. It's cross-generational, really. And it's, it's sort of from the good old times to the modern, new, vibrant city. Hmm. Remind and, me how uh, it was selected down to, down to the final ten. 
Well, we put out a call for nominations and we had almost a thousand um, people nominated and came up with um, 84 individual songs, which is phenomenal, really, I think. You know, we never thought there'd be that many different um, people and songs represented. So it was a hard um, task for the uh, independent jury to whittle that down to 10. Um, now, some like Dan Spillane and uh, Jimmy Crowley had multiple songs nominated, really, do you know, mm. and Mick Flannery as well. And, of course, Billa is there twice, which is is wonderful, yeah, you know. John Spillane had 10 songs nominated, Jimmy 7, yeah. Rory 6 and Mick 5. That's right, yeah. And um, another um, band that surfaced um, was Micro Disney. Now, they didn't make the short list. But town they, to they town, were, I'll bet you. There was, yeah, and four four of their songs oh, were nominated. Right. But, you know, it, the nomination, it wasn't how many were people nominated the song. The nomination was, nominations yeah. so, were going so for the So if somebody short. had, say, five or six songs nominated, or in John Spillane's case, ten, how did you choose the song that made the shortlist? Was, the, was it the, the number of with the most nominations? Out it of was. The, right, it okay. was, yeah, yeah. So, so these ten yeah. songs would... Now, I take it that that list is, is in no particular order of merit. It's no, it's in alphabetical order. It's in alphabetical order. Yeah, so we're the, in the library, so it's all that. These <laughs> were the ten most popular songs out of the uh, thousand 80, or more votes you got out of eighty-four nominated and 84. songs. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, it's it really, um, you know, it's, it was it's a fun a fun thing to do, but really the people really got behind it, you know, and. Um, there were some great comments, you know, like for the boys of Fair Hill, one comment was, you know, it ignites a fierce passion and pride in my city. And um, for, for Billa, you know, it went, uh, you know, to say, what, you know, he's true and true Corkman and went on to talk about the pantomime and the swans and just, you know, um, our, our cultural heritage in that way as well. Uh, the Where's We Jump, but one had a very good um, uh, one where it says, uh, Niall once scrawled on his scrawny chest Rock is an anagram of Cork. <laughs> so I think that was probably one of, of the best. But, um, you know, it is cross-generational and um, it just highlights the wonderful um, culture of music in the city. Yeah. And I'm looking um, particularly in there at the Langer song, which was just a bit of crack back in the day. And then the radio stations, particularly here, picked it yes. up. And the lads went into it was originally it was just a bit of fun, and the lads went in and did a full professional recording, and it just became a massive, massive hit. In fact, it became it was number one in Ireland, I think, at one point on the charts. It was, it was when, a great connection when, Larry, 96, when, when Larry was doing the was doing oh, the top the, the top doing, forty. Yeah, yeah. So, so what happens now? We have another another voting process now. This is the vote now on the the shortlist. The others were the nominations, so you can vote online at CorkCityLibraries.ie, and on Facebook and Twitter, and also. Um, hard copy in any of the city libraries. And of course we have a, a performance then on Monday the 27th at half past seven in the city library and it will be emceed by 96FM's Trevor Welsh and we have um, a lot of the artists committed to performing on the night. Great. And Still can, working can on getting some others. Will the winning song be announced before or after the performances? at the performance. Ah. Now, the voting will finish on Friday the 24th. Right. So we will know the winner 
um, it, it won't be down to the performance. The performance is just a celebration. Oh, yeah. 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 But will, yeah. will the winner be announced at the, at, uh, on the night? On the night. That's when it will be announced. That's right. All right. Okay. So, All right. so you can uh, continue to vote? Continue to vote until Friday the 24th. And uh, currently... I have 2,000 votes in online already. Wow. I know. My mailbox is getting quite full. <laughs> yeah, they're and just without naming in, so any names, and I know that you won't, but without naming any names or without indicating anything, is there a particular favourite or favourites emerging? Honestly, PJ, I've put them in a folder and I haven't had a look at them yet. Okay. So can't answer that. Great. All right, then. We, and we're going to keep across it for the next week and, and remind people how to vote. Thanks very much. That's Patricia Looney for, from Cork City Library. Now, Dee wants to launch her campaign for Where's Me Jumper. <laughs> I must put all of these, actually, and we'll play the snatches of them during the week. Well. This is Dee's favourite, I think. Kind of, are we going to put our opinion line favourite up as the Where's Me Jumper or are we going to go for another one or will we all go for a different one? We'll mention this actually pretty much every day next week. We'll give you a chance to maybe hear snatches of, of, ma- of as many as we can or maybe even all of them. Just give you the, the list again. It's After All by Frank and Walters. The Banks by Billa. Beautiful City by Billa. The Boys of Fair Hill by Jimmy Crowley. Going to My Hometown, Rory Gallagher. The Langer Song, Natural Gas. Princess Street by John Spillane. On Pucker Builla by Sean O'Shea. Safety Rope by Mick Flannery. And that one, Where's Me Jumper? By the Sultans of Ping. Go to the Cork City Library website to vote or indeed you can visit any one of the libraries and the closing date is next Friday. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Solid Fuel Depot at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Great deals on all solid fuels with seven-day delivery. SolidFuelDepot.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on the side. Hi, it's Michael here with your update on Cork's live scene. The first two shows at the new Sea Church in Ballycotton with Lisa Hannigan and Mick Flannery have already sold out, but they are announcing lots more new shows over the coming weeks, including musician, songwriter, storyteller John Spillane. John's show takes place on Saturday, May 21st, with tickets on sale now from collinslive.ie Access all areas Sharon Shannon, Francis Black and Mary Coughlin unite for a unique show bringing together their collective talents. These three performers are some of the most successful female artists Ireland has to offer and they recorded together as an integral part of the successful Woman's Hearts albums. It takes place on Thursday, February 13th. Access all areas. If you have a gig show or exhibition coming up in Cork in the next few weeks, drop us a line here at Access All Areas. You can mail us on AAA at 96fm.ie and we'll tell Cork all about it. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 96 96 96. On Quartz 96 FM.
So the death of Keane Mulready Woods is one of the stories dominating the headlines for the last number of days. The lad was 17 years of age, and I don't care what he was involved in. I'm getting messages about he was up to this and he was up to that, and he was no good for this and no good for that. He was a 17-year-old child, and he disappeared on Monday, or Sunday rather, and his body parts have been found in two different locations, including the back of a burnt-out car. John Hand from the Irish Sun joins me. John, good morning. Morning. I mentioned earlier on the mor- this morning that this is like something you'd see on Netflix, but this is the reality now of life in our capital city. Yeah, it's undoubtedly a new low for gangland crime. Um, this young boy was connected to both sides of the feud. Um, he, he had a conviction last month of intimidating uh, the mother of a teenager who did a drug debt to one of the feuding mobs in Drogheda. Um, there was a social media post then um, warning him that he he, his, his, he would be killed and his, his body dismembered. Um, and and just a week before he went missing on Sunday, he was um, given a, an official form, formal warning from Gardaí that uh, his life was under threat um, with a guard information message, which is uh, when they have intelligence that there's an active threat on someone's life. But uh, as you say, at the end of the day, this lad was uh, just age 17 and it's, it's sadly another example of uh, how a young man or young person gets lured into this life um, and, and, and and they're just uh, and discarded of really by these gang bosses who, who don't have any respect or regard for life and, and, and it definitely shows a new level of gangland crime um, it, it, with a child at the centre of a murder John, Remind listeners again, if you could briefly, what is the nature of this feud uh, in, in Drogheda? Is it all about drugs? It, yeah, well look, it, 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 it's a feud, um, two warring <coughs> excuse me, two warring factions in Drogheda um, <coughs> like all these things, they, they start over money, uh, turf, uh, and and drugs, cocaine, um, and but what we've seen in in in, in other feuds like Kinnan Hutch feud and many feuds across Dublin and the country that this turns personal and uh, this one has certainly turned personal and 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 there's a particularly uh, reckless nature to this feud as well where there's innocent people also being getting caught up. It seems like a, a, a long, well, longer anyway than than it was. Um, but on Monday night there was uh, an instant taxi man um, shot in, on the Bridge of Peace in Drogheda, and it was quite near uh, the Garda station as well. It just shows, it just highlights that the, the lack of regard uh, these men have for the law, for society, and um, it, it really Garda needs their the resources. To, to put it to an end. That's the point. That's the point. Now, Drogheda, the feud is centred on Drogheda. Now, I, I happen to know that part of Dublin uh, where the first gruesome find was made in, in Coolock, and indeed one of our regular listeners, Antoinette, is from that part of of Dublin. But how does Coolock come into it? It's a distance away, like. Yeah, there's... Uh, Kulak would be connected to one uh, faction of the two uh, that are head to head disputing in this dispute. Um, it, it, the dumping of the body parts in Kulak and, of course, uh, yesterday morning in uh, the Chungwanjo area of North Dublin is 
a particularly another twisted part to this whole murder um, and a murder plot. Uh, it, it, it could be looked at. Gardy said last night at the press conference they weren't particularly sure why the body parts were left where where they were, but it certainly does look like a, a warning uh, or a statement. This is being led, the investigation is being led by uh, Chief Super Christy Mangan. He was the man who said last year, and, and he's gained a bit of a reputation, I think, John, for speaking in a way that guards don't normally speak. He, he's calling it much more bluntly than others have ever called it before. He's leading this investigation. What, what is he saying to you, if he's saying anything? Well, look, he, he, last night he, he warned those gangs that Gardaí are going to put every every resource in to stop them um, and they, they cannot run amok um, anymore. The Chief Superintendent Christy Mangan, he, he has been outspoken regarding drugs and uh, the normal person as well, the, the involvement of low-time drug dealers and casual takers of cocaine have a responsibility here too. Yes. Um, at the end of the day, Ireland has a cocaine epidemic and there, there, there's, it, there's massive demand and that's used all of this. It's, it's a huge part of this. So um, he spoke about that previously. He's, he's a very um, experienced investigator himself. He led the, the probe into the Scissor Sisters case. Yes. Um, and yeah, he, he's, he's massive back in here. And, 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 and uh, Gerdy have a, a, a major presence around Drogheda and Kulak at the moment as, as they try and, and... Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, any, any potential hit back. Um, for, for, for this murder. Is there any sign of an arrest, John? Uh, not as yet. Uh, so the latest part is they, they, 
of the investigation is they on Tuesday they raided six homes of, of, of or six properties linked to people who uh, are, are involved in this feud. Um, yesterday they sealed off another property um, in Drogheda, which there was there was traces of blood um, and, and, and signs that there was an attempt to clean uh, the property. So it's not clear at this stage at this stage um, if the teenager was indeed murdered or dismembered there. And they're waiting on DNA results, and and that's uh, uh, just all part of the DNA is going to form a huge part of this case. It's a mess. It's and a mess. Just waiting. Yeah, and they're just gathering all the information before uh, any arrests um, can be made. Okay, listen, John. Thank you for that. That's John Hand from uh, the Irish Sun, reporting on the death, the murder, the dismemberment of Keen Mulready Woods. Now, he was no angel. We now know this. We always knew this. He was no angel. But he was a 17-year-old kid. Caller says they've got Snapchat pictures of him being murdered. God. A video of how it all started. Apparently the uncle took a video of himself and his mates beating up a guy. They took the gear bag and in that was flip-flops and stuff. And then when they murdered the other fella, they made sure to put the flip-flops on him for the pictures. That 17-year-old was up to a lot of bad things. Okay, maybe it was. Maybe it was. Uh, shocking situation. Oh, that's the housing one. Billy Billy says it was announced yesterday the young man you vigorously defend was very recently convicted of threatening a family in their home. He was known to the Gardaí, had history, and lived in that tug world we all fear. It's despicable what happened to him, but live by the sword and you die by it. The law of the jungle prevails in their world. What happened to him, he would readily have visited on arrival. Well, I don't cheerlead or defend him Billy. I'm shocked that the child is being killed in this way. Another call says you can stop talking about people getting chopped up because you don't know the reality of life. PJ only knows about people who've been through nothing in life. Well thank you for telling me how well you know me. He doesn't know what happened that jump fella. He could be involved with a big debt. It's life. You can go on the internet and type up there are people's bodies being chopped up and put through sawing machines all over the world. It's part of life, unfortunately. What happened to that young fella isn't a joke. You play with fire and you get burnt. That's the way life goes. It's not that hard to look up videos all over the world. I've seen videos of people being murdered around the world live on Facebook. People have family members who've been dismembered. And you're not wrong. But it, we shouldn't be normalising it either for pity's sake. 1850-715-996. On the list of best songs. And we're going to lighten the mood a little bit now as well and we're changing our topic of conversation imagine being told imagine being told that you were expecting triplets sit down now and take a deep breath and a long slug of tea after here how would you react if you were told you were expecting triplets and lads how would you react if your partner was told you were expecting triplets have a think about that for a second. Regarding the best song, where's Ruby Horse with Shine? They only performed it on the David Letterman show recently. What about Crystal Swing, who performed on the Ellen show? Both are on YouTube. Personally, I think Fred, with the song Skyscrapers, is the most underrated song. Well, that's the ten that they've whittled down to through the number of votes they already got. That's the top ten, and we'll come back to it several times. Uh, before a winner is selected. 1850-715-996. So, you're expecting. It's great news. You're delighted. It's happy. It was all planned. 
didn't plan them to come in threes, though, did you? We've had a number of guests throughout last year, and I guess as we head through this year, we'll have a number of studio guests who have very, very large followings on social media, the likes of Instagram and YouTube, or whatever, for, for various reasons. Um, Gemma is our latest. And Gemma, you've got about 20,000 followers on Instagram, and I think it's what it 20,000 on YouTube for your, your parenting blog and videos. But but you find yourself, I think, Gemma, in a, in a situation you never expected to find yourself. You were expecting triplets. Absolutely, yeah. I did never, ever expect this would be my life this year. <laughs> when did you find out? Uh, we actually booked an early scan. Um, I was so, so sick uh, last year, October time. And I just thought this something's not the same as when I was pregnant with my first son. I was really sick, really tired, really early on. And so we booked a scan at 10 weeks. And yeah, that's when she put the Doppler on. Two little heads popped up straight away. And I said to my husband, oh my gosh, is that twins? And I was looking at her, looking at my husband. And then she said, oh, just, just hang on a minute, just calm down. And, you know, we were both in absolute shock. And then she said... This is three babies. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I, I don't actually know. Um, you're lying down at that stage. Lying down, thank goodness. Have you have you fallen down? Uh, no, luckily I was sitting down. <laughs> we had our son in the room as well. He was sitting on my lap. And I think my jaw did hit the floor in shock. <laughs> she, as Gemma said, we saw that it was there was two babies in there. Um, but then when she went, no, this is three babies, I just went, ah, for crying. <laughs> <laughs> so it was total shock. So thus begins, I'll bring you back in a second, but, but thus begins, Gemma, something, that, a, a pregnancy plan that had to be torn up, rewritten there and then. Absolutely, yeah. Well, we actually had our first son in Dubai. Uh, so to have a child in Ireland was actually a bit different for us because I went and saw my doctor when I first found out I was pregnant. She kind of said, you know, you have a scan at 12 weeks and then at 20 weeks and then in between you'll see me, <laughs> the doctor. And so now, I mean, I'm being scanned in the hospital every two weeks at the moment. That will probably go down to every week shortly. Uh, there's a potential to be hospitalised on bed rest. Mm. So, yeah, it's completely, completely different to what we thought would happen when we got pregnant. Were you terrified for a moment or two that they might be conjoined? Yes. <laughs> Just because she kind of was explaining to us how it could have happened. Because I, I didn't know anything, really. Very in the dark about twins and triplets. And she kind of says, so we've actually got um, a set of identical twins and then a singleton. So the identical twins are in the same gestational sac but in their own little amniotic sacs, and then we've mm. got a singleton on their own. And she said, depending on when the egg splits, if it splits quite late, that's when you get kind of conjoined twins. Mm. So she was kind of checking to make sure, you know, they everything with it's them okay. was separate, yeah. which I didn't even consider yeah. <laughs> when yeah. you went into a scan. So two of them will be identical? Yes, yeah. Right, and then and then one will be, will be yeah. Like, to, like you said, like trying trying to take it all in the the physical demands on your body mm. are going to be colossal. Yeah, and already as well. I'm 18 weeks currently. Uh, like I said, I was so, so sick to the point where I was in hospital on a drip. I have had to be horizontal. My husband has had to work flexible hours because I just haven't been able to look after my son. And now 
the tiredness is just something else. You know, mm. I think every woman knows when they're pregnant, they just get really, really tired. But all my energy is basically going to those three babies and I get whatever is left. Mm. <laughs> Anyone who follows your, your videos, uh, The Hidden Gem, um, you're there and you're so confident about parenting and, and so full of advice about people and parenting and based on your own experience and I guess your your training yeah. in Montessori and, and primary school teaching and, and all of that you are now completely out of your depth absolutely yeah yeah I make videos about uh, parenting and um, you know how to support your children at home helping parents who are at home with their kids and this yeah I never expected I would be <laughs> at some point this year I'm going to have three newborns plus mm. a two and a half year old are you frightened yeah, <laughs> quite frightened because there's so many unknowns in our future this year and I'm a planner and I like to be organised mm. and I just don't know what's going to happen this year. My main thing at the moment is to get these three babies here safely and that's all I can really focus on right yeah. now. I can't even put my head into the point of when they're here currently because it's not a given. Something could happen, yeah. and, you know, so... Your 18 weeks, have, have they told you how long you can go before? Yeah, my consultant has said that by 34 weeks, he would prefer them to be out because they're safer out than in at that point. They can do more for them. So he has said he's got very low tolerance to triplets. He's a, I mean, we're so lucky to be in Cork. We've got a multiples unit here mm. with specialists and he deals with twins and multiple pregnancies triplets and quads and whatever more uh but yeah he said pretty much i won't go past 34 weeks and that's if i can get to that stage is that and he said it's safer for them then at that point to be out yes because they run out of space they need a lot more from me and i can't necessarily provide them with that mm. whereas if they're out you know they can be fed by tubes or yeah whatever that needs to happen to them because because we all kind of read and I, I don't know whether it's folklore or whether there's science to it we read that when a mom is pregnant even on two that that her body her body produces enough of the nutrients that they need while they're growing mm. but three is just a little bit off the scale yeah three and it's so so rare to have triplets like we hear about eating for two but you can't <laughs> eat for four <laughs> I have lost so much weight, actually. And this is the thing. I was so frustrated in that first trimester because I was so sick. Mm. And I was torn between, I am trying to support three babies here and I can't keep anything down. It's just so strange that your body would react in such a way. And so I actually lost so much weight because everything I ate that I could keep down was going to them mm. and nothing was for me. Has that stopped or has you... It has. It actually stopped a week before Christmas. So I was able to enjoy Christmas and eating. And of course, the other thing too is I suppose when you are sick in any way, even if you've got a headache or anything, you can't. And we, we know this from, I mean, um, Dee, Dee's got two kids and we, we've we've kind of followed her pregnancies with her here. And I have two of my own, but they're 22 years now. I think yeah. I go. <laughs> but you can do nothing. You can take nothing. You can, they can't medicate for anything. You no. just got to stick it up. Stick, stick it, stick it with it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And it's just a case of laying down and trying to keep as much down as you possibly can. I was saying to my husband, if I can just keep my, my dinner down for an hour, they'll have got something. <laughs> and more often than not, that's all I could manage just the hour before it was coming back up. Now, people will, will gather from your accent um, that, that you're, not, you're not native to this country. Born in England, grew up in Australia, lived in Dubai, and now you're back here because himself, where, where are you from? 
Actually, and you're from Tralee. Well, you're 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 in God's promised yeah. land now. You know that we 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 have given you a work permit and all that yeah. for you. Yeah. So 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 Cork Cork is home now, J- Jamie, and and you've been you've been here for for quite a number of years. The the treatment that you're getting, I, I you're very very you're full of praise for it. Absolutely. And when my husband, we were living in Dubai up until February last year, and my husband was offered a job here, and. We always kind of hoped that we would eventually end up back in Cork and we just didn't know where it would be. Uh, my husband's an architect, so it could be, you know, it could be anywhere major city-wise. We were thinking maybe Galway, maybe Limerick. Mm. Um, but we're just so lucky that we've ended in Cork and with a multiple pregnancy, there's only two specialist units in the country, one in Dublin and one in Cork for multiples. Yeah. So people, I mean, I've got in contact with lots of triplet mums now in Ireland who've had to travel four hours to Dublin to the multiples unit each time yeah. they needed an appointment. Because it's not, I mean, twins twins is tough enough, mm. but, but triplets is a whole new ball game. Yeah, absolutely. And it does need a specialist team. It needs people, even just when we go in for our scans, there's so many limbs in there. <laughs> I am surprised how the, the sonographer is able to pick which leg belongs to which child like it's a skill that they are, are, are blessed with thank yeah. goodness because yeah they're able to get the correct measurements with, with all those arms and legs um, are, are they kicking yet they are yeah yeah you, you must feel like conor mcgregor or, or <laughs> katie taylor after a few rounds of yeah my mum was actually saying she's downloaded a pregnancy app and she said to me the, the other day oh their bones are hardening and Did I said you... yeah I, I know <laughs> no. <laughs> who are you telling <laughs> yeah I could definitely feel them so, so you're kind of reaching out and because of your following on Insta and on, and on the YouTube it, generally people reach out to you yeah. for you to advise them yeah. and we may we'll talk a little bit about that work in a minute but now you want help here Absolutely. Yeah, it's such an unknown. And we've, we have a child already. So I'm, I am thankful that we've kind of gone through the having a newborn and done the first child thing, because we know kind of what to expect with a newborn. But three, just things like, how do they sleep? What buggy do you need? My husband is obsessed with what car do we need? Mm, a bus, I'd say. Yes. Yeah, a bus. Because you're going to have four. <laughs> Come in there, Jamie. Just sit in a bit closer to that mic, yeah. Narrowed it down to <laughs> different, few different brands. Because yeah. we need four eyes. So fix the settings. Yeah. So the normal seven seaters only really have three. Yeah. So we have to get a minibus, basically. <laughs> minibus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, apart from that, it's going to be a hell of an expensive time. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's like, as Gemma said, buggy, car seats, the yeah. vehicle. Like I've seen, I've seen twin buggies. Uh, I've never seen a triplet buggy. I mean, well, the the triplet ones are twin with one on top, basically. Right. Is the majority of them out there? Do, do you they come with wing mirrors? Row. Yeah, it's like a double decker bus. Yeah. <laughs> do they come with wing mirrors and indicators? I hope so. Yeah, they don't actually fit through doors either. <laughs> Put on the headphones there. You got them on. Sylvia's on the line. Sylvia, you know exactly where Gemma is right now, Gemma, don't you? Good morning, yeah. Well, we went through it now five years. Yeah. Our girls were five in December. So we've been there and done that. <laughs> and exactly, I had to buy um, a minibus. And I was seven months pregnant and I had to learn how to drive a minibus. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and like the big bump and trying to get up the step to get into the minibus. Yeah. But we done it. And we're out the other side now, so. <laughs> Gemma said a while ago that she's she's uh, she's frightened. 
of what lies ahead. Can you reassure her in any way? It, it'll happen. That's what I was talking to Ken this morning about. We got through it. We don't know how we got through it, but we got through it. Because you have to get up. You have to feed them. You have to look after them. Mm. So, but like, we wished their lives away because the strange way I'd say, I wish they could hold the bottle themselves. Mm. Then it went, I wish if they could just spoon feed themselves. Then it went to the toilet training. Then it, no, it's, if they could get into their car seats and strap themselves in, it would be, you know, so we wished their lives away. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got a point to an obvious problem that arises in my head. Like, how do you breastfeed three? <laughs> well, if you're I going pumped, to breastfeed three. I pumped because like that, they show you in the hospital how to do two at a time. But then you're, you're trapped. You're, well, it's the wrong word to say trapped, but you're the only one that can do it. Yeah. So I pumped and then I was able to get help. That my mum would take one, Ken would take one, I take one, and we'd feed. But like you couldn't do, they show you how to do the two, and it is possible to do the two. Yeah. I'm trying to change three at one time. I mean, we, when we were had, having our twins, uh, you know, I got extremely good at changing two nappies at once, like, you know. Uh, but three is a whole different ballgame. But you find, you find your way, you find that this is how you do it and what works for me might work for somebody else or somebody else will come up with a different idea but it's you find your own way because they're yours you have to do it nobody's going to come in and do it for you you're going to have to do it is there anything in particular Gemma that you'd like to ask Sylvia something that's on your mind now that only she could answer having been there now my biggest interest at the moment is the kind of routine when they are first out of the hospital and back home did you find that the hospital had got them into some form of routine and that you were able to keep that um they did but then you know routine is very good but then it gets routine gets involved then in everyday life like i had a little boy that had to be collected from school so if they were due feeding i had to choose which was more leave him at the side of the road and go and collect him from school or feed. So it was like, you know, but the only thing that I did find, and we still do it today, I got a notebook and I had to write down each their names, what time they fed, what time they pooped, what time they went to the toilet, if they took Calpol, if they did, because at the end of the day, you'd say, did she poop today? <laughs> or was this, you know, and if you went to the doctor, you had to know she had so many poops or she had a calpol or she had norphin or you know so I had to write down everything. Jamie I think you're going to need to buy a whiteboard. Yes. <laughs> but you see it with the whiteboard if you had the whiteboard you wipe it out every night right. but you couldn't take the whiteboard to a doctor so the notebook inside and change them back so you take out the a notebook and just maybe. A yeah, yeah. yeah so that when you went to a doctor you had straight away yeah. oh this is this this is this is there at this stage now? I'd have to be asking. How, how old are yours, Sylvia? Now they were five at Christmas. There's surely an app by now that does all of that, is there? There must be. Oh, to record I don't know. all the feeds. 
I wonder, is there an app for... There's one for... D tells me there's one for newborns, singletons, as they say. But is, I wonder, is there one for triplets or for twins or anything? Because, you, like, that's a very good point, isn't it? Keep, 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 keeping track of enough, as well as, I suppose, Sylvia, for the first couple of months, trying to recover your, your body's been yeah. through. Yeah. And it's still, it's like five years now, I'm only getting back to normal. My first big achievement was hang, bringing a handbag. <laughs> so, like, so that was my see, big thing. Jim is sitting here going, Taylor and I'm looking Taylor. at my handbag. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll pack that away. Yeah, that was my first, that was my first big thing was that when I got my handbag, it was like, yes. And then in July last year, I was going, right, this is it. I'll be 50 in October. So I was like, I'm going to get back my life now. I'm going to get back on my weight. I'm going to do things for myself. Mm. And I started Slimming World. And then it was like, this is it. This is the new me back. Yeah. And they're fine. And that's that's taken five years. They're gone to school now, are they? Yeah. And that's why I can do it, just because they're gone to school. Okay, I w- I'm going to ask you, Jamie, and th- thanks for that, Sylvia. I'll stay there for a second. I'm going to ask you guys to stay with me until after the news. The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. 1850-715-996. Text 083-396-9696. Your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. I'm talking to Gemma Daly from The Hidden Gem on Instagram and YouTube and her husband, Jamie. Uh, Gemma is pregnant on triplets. And as she was explaining to me beforehand, even though you're a parenting blogger, you're a Montessori teacher, you've got all that background behind you, you're a great expert at dealing with young kids, you are frightened out of your mind as to what lies ahead. In how long from now? Potentially, I mean, it's only going to go to the beginning of May at the the latest, so probably April. And then afterwards, you've got to you've got to live with these three beautiful creatures. Jamie, we're on there during the news about about um, you and the leave you'll be able to get to, to to be with Gemma at the very very start. Like, I mean, it's a very topical issue. Um, dads being able to take paternity leave. Yeah, um, luckily, they announced that they're extending it a further two weeks, so mm. we should have four weeks off at the beginning, which yeah. would be very helpful, even just to welcome the babies home and yeah. get them into a routine and help out and not have to stress about getting up for work the next day. And you're an architect, so a lot of that work can be done from home these days. Yes, um, I'm director of the Cork office for C.W. O'Brien Architects, and luckily my MD is very understandable. Mm. Like at the beginning when Gemma was really sick and bedridden, he said, look, do what you have to do and take care of your wife and make sure everything's good at home. Mm. So I used to go home at 3 o'clock, cook dinner for our son, and then hopefully Gemma would eat something, she'd go back to bed, put Oscar to bed, and then I could work in the evening mm. from my kitchen table with the laptop. And we're, luckily with internet and technology today, we're connected to the Dublin office. And They say that multiple births tend to uh, skip a generation or they tend to follow in families. You are the only singleton. There's two sets of twins in your family. Yes. You have some answers here. (laughs) I know everybody at home is finding it hilarious that the only one without a twin in the family um, ends up having multiple children. Um, So I'm, I'm the middle child poster boy, basically. So my older brother and sister are twins and my younger brother and sister are twins. Yeah. And growing up was fun to be the only single in the family. Yeah. 
Yeah. Gemma, I suppose when they are when they are born, you, you just have to, as Sylvia said there, get on with it. Yeah, absolutely. I think you just have to live day by day. You don't know what you don't know their personalities, you don't know what they're gonna be like. So until we have them, yeah. you can't plan. There's an element of this we know the second half of this year is gonna be crazy, we're gonna be tired, but we don't know the ins and outs and we can't plan for it. So it's I really that's what's stressing me out because I'm a planner yes yes, yes. I'd like to know what I'm doing but and a lot of your videos are about are I looked at a couple of them last night that you know they, they're about trying to parent your child in a planned scheduled way like it's part of the, the respectful parenting thing that you teach is that for example when you're teaching children to brush their teeth yep. you, you don't do it in a rush you yep. you plan it Mm-hmm. So that it becomes almost almost normalised quickly for the child. I, I I hate to break it to you, but planning with three, <laughs> it's definitely going to be a challenge. And I've been I announced it on my Instagram and YouTube yesterday, and I was terrified to do so. But the overwhelming support from my followers has been just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of them are like. <laughs> how are you going to do it now? Because with one, and I've always had questions from people like, you know, that's fine with one and how do you do it with more? Now I am a teacher by profession Mm. and I've worked, you know, I've worked in classrooms. I then was a teacher trainer, so I was teaching teachers Mm. how to, you know, work with children. So I've always had lots of children from the very start of my career, but newborns is a different kettle of fish as Your own. And 24 hours a day. And 24 hours a day. (laughs) So it is going to be different, but yeah, like you say, I I subscribe to respectful parenting, and we do Montessori at home. So it's all about freedom and independence. And many people comment on our son and how independent he is. He's only two and a half, and how he's able to do things. And actually, I think it's a good thing because the way he is, you know, he's able to prepare his own snack. He's able to he potty trained really early because of the way we've brought him up. So I'm hoping that I can still, obviously, I don't know, but I'm hoping I can still instill that parenting in having three briefly and just for a minute or two the concept of 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 respectful parenting now you say oscar's what two two and a half yeah he can prepare his own snack yeah he has a learning tower in our kitchen so he has his own step stool he's so if he wants a snack he can go up and get his banana and come down i start the peeling and he's able to finish off he knows which bin the skin needs to go in Mm. so he's in a position where and I, I mean we're lucky because there's three of us now and there's going to be three three new ones but he's able to be fairly independent mm. he tells me when he needs to go for his nap things like that really yeah at two and a half at two and a half yeah he tells me i'm tired i need to go upstairs mommy okay okay my mum was actually saying it's crazy how, how and i know he'll be well coming up to three yeah he'll be what, three in july how how is he going to or how are you now there's another thing and i guess it's a broader question how do you prepare and it probably straight into your your parenting expertise how do you prepare a toddler for the imminent arrival of not one not two but three more how, how do you well we have We've had quite a lot of change in our lives already. Oscar was born in Dubai, like I said, and we've moved. We're about to move again. So every th- every big change that we've had in our life, we always talk to him, however young he's been. He was 18 months when we moved back to Ireland. And just talking well in advance about what's going to happen is so, so important. He understands, even like um, if we're going away for the weekend, we talk well in advance. When my mum was coming to island to help us out 
we talk well in advance about what's going to happen and try to get picture books about what's going to happen. Mm. But like you say, introducing a new sibling to a family is big, no matter what, you know, if it's just one new baby coming into a family. But three new babies, we are really worried about how he's going to react. And again, it's an unknown. We don't yeah. know how he's going to be. He's currently, I w I'm a stay-at-home mum with him. He doesn't go to creche or anything. Right. Uh, so now we're in a kind of stage where do we put him in a creche now? Do we wait till September when we were going to? Yeah. We don't want him to feel like, oh, these three babies came along and now I've been put in this place yeah. by myself. So it is a balance. So we're trying to work out what's best yeah. for him. And at the moment, I think getting somebody in, maybe an au pair or something like that, to cover this period of time where I could be in hospital, to be consistent in our home. Hmm. And, you know, we... We don't have family close by, so even if I go into labour or when I'm going in for my C-section, we don't know how long I'm going to be in for and my husband's going to be there. We mm. don't have anybody that can just be there. Yeah. So to have somebody in our home might be the option and that they get used to him before the babies come and they yeah. have the consistency afterwards for a while. Because I guess you would be worried, you know, when... when and I've spoken to people about this, like when and you've got a toddler of two and a half or three and then you have another baby... You don't want you don't want the existing child to be jealous. You don't want them to be hurt. You don't, they, they will normally be jealous yeah. as part of the human condition, yeah. even in a child. But you want to make sure that it's as smooth a transition for them, absolutely, as any yeah. as anybody else. And that's my, that's my biggest fear at the moment because I think at the start the babies will be looked after by medical teams. They'll be fed. You know, their emotional state isn't the concern there. But for Oscar, it's his emotional state and anything that happens to him. We're just trying to mm. do the best we possibly can for him. But Are you yeah. going to be able to prepare him for it before they're here? Is there a way you can you know, you know how to do that? Well, he knows I'm pregnant. The other day he asked to look at my belly and said, wow, the big moon. Okay. <laughs> so, and he talks about babies and he puts his little stuffed teddy in his jumper at the moment and says his loomy, which is what his blanket's called, is in his belly. So he's aware of that. He asks when they're coming out. Oh, he knows there's more than one. He knows there's more than one. For a long time, he missed three out when he was counting. He would say, one, two, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We're like, you need to learn three <laughs> because yeah. that's going to be an important number. And now he knows He may be three. avoiding it because yes. he wouldn't yes. discuss it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, he does know, but how much he understands, we don't have any other young babies in our lives. We have. He has cousins that are younger than him, but, yeah, how much he understands. But he, I think just talking about it, reading stories about babies that are in it, it's all we, all we can do right now. They say it takes a village uh, to raise a child, but you're practically producing a village all at once. Or a football team. <laughs> or a football team. <laughs> Guys, all I can do is wish you the very, very best of luck. Thank you. With it. And okay. I know that you'll, you'll, you'll probably, down the road, be using your videos to guide other potential mums and multiples through this but right now if anybody would like to offer you any assistance or any help where can they contact you you can find me on instagram i'm at the way we play on instagram because it's mainly a play-based page about entertaining your children mm -hmm. at home or over on youtube i'm called the hidden gem it's more about parenting and living with children and how you can support them in their in Got their it. development all right, listen, best of luck to you, Gemma. Thank you so and, much. And, and, and to you, Jamie. Thank uh, you. From, from one dad to another. I shall go to sleep tonight 
and I shall worry about you instinctively. <laughs> I'm telling you now. <laughs> Listen, thank you both for coming in. It's been a great conversation. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the solid fuel depot at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Focus coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late, seven days. Solidfueldepot.ie. Turn up the beat and Cork's 96FM's Hit Mix. Turn it up right now. Our new stream playing fresh hits all the time. Non-stop music now streaming. Hi, I'm Demi. Listen on our app or click 96fm.ie. In line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 96 96 96. On Cork's 96 FM. We'll think about them many times, I think, over the next couple of months. And yes, we will let you know how she's doing and how they're getting along. Kate says the first thing that they should do is buy some earplugs. It won't be stereo. It'll be surround sound. Julianne says, never had triplets, but I'm a mom, so best advice, get lots of sleep before they arrive. <laughs> Not putting in the second bit, you won't get much after it. And congratulations. And Colin had neighbours in Bandon with triplets, two boys and a girl. They just started secondary school. They're beautiful kids. They're only a very young couple having them and had a baby 12 months after the triplets they're a fabulous family altogether, and they just got on with it. She has twin grandchildren as well, and she helped looking after them when they were babies. She wishes Gemma and Jamie all the very best, as do us all. As do we all. More comments on the uh, gruesome murder in Dublin, which I will get to. But first of all, and I can remember as a young fella, if you went to buy a school uniform, or a part of a school uniform, or you went to buy part of you know, sports gear, hurling, football, rugby, whatever you happened to be trying out, one of the places you'd go was into Finn's Corner. It's an iconic part of our city centre. It's been there, run by the family for over 140 years. And after four generations of selling sports goods, uniform, uniforms for all sorts of different workplaces as well, and, and among their customers were, of all people, the late great Jonah Lomu and Rory Gallagher bought clothes there. Uh, Finn's Corner is closing and Moss Finn joins me to talk about it. Moss, end of several eras, not just one. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thank you for the lovely introduction. You're very, very flattering. It's, it's certainly an emotional time for us and something we thought long and hard about and because it's in our blood since I was a child and it's, uh, it's certainly an emotional time after 142 years, but we didn't make the decision lightly and it's sort of, we, we feel it's the best thing for us and it, the, the one great thing about it is that we're, we're going on our own terms and we have wonderful memories of Cork and the people of Cork. What brought about the decision, Moss? It's an age thing, really. My brother is, is at retirement age. I'm just shy of retirement age and one of our great stalwarts there for many years, John DeWire, is, he has the bus pass at this stage, so... Yeah. It's it's very much an age thing, and our kids have careers, so it's it is very much a retirement type thing to to move on maybe and do other things because our energy levels aren't what they were, and as I say, our kids have careers, and so th- that was about it, and we and we felt it was time to go, and even though we were still enjoying it, but it was more an age thing and a retirement thing, virtually, you know, that was the thing, that was that was the main reason. Yeah. Yeah, because you might have thought, okay, well, do, do, you, you wouldn't want to sell it on or anything like that? No, we're, we're selling the building and yeah. such like that, but um, 
and it, 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 you know, we have a lot of attachments to it and all that, and it's a very emotional thing. But as I say, time goes on where, you know, I'm in there 50 years, so is my brother, so it's, you can't go on forever, mm. and we decided to go. But it's great that we're going on our own terms, and the people of Cork and the goodwill towards us since we made the decision and, and know that it's now sold has been absolutely wonderful, and I take my hat off to them. And that, that's the main thing I would like to get across to people. The city centre is a wonderful place and the people of Cork are very loyal to indigenous businesses and their own. Cork people support their own. You know that even in a sporting yeah, context. Yeah. And like, there's a lot of negativity about the city, but I don't buy into that. I'd be very positive about the city. And we could have gone, we could have kept going on as our business is very robust, but we decided to go. But like, Cork is a wonderful place and I'd like people to know, but people know that. I mean, you can see it by the goodwill coming into us. But oh, yeah. You have the infrastructure and the facilities of a European capital, yet you have the intimacy and the ambience of a village stroke town. And you're aware of that, having grown up there, and you said that as much as that in your kind words to us before you started. But that's the way Cork is, and it's just essentially a time thing, and we're quite emotional about it. But we're indebted to the people of Cork, and I'd like people to know that for supporting us all these years, you know. Yeah. I mentioned there uh, John Alomu, uh, sadly very sadly, uh, no longer with us, taken far too long with a terrible kidney kidney ailment. How did you find shoes for him? He, a boots, I mean, he was enormous. Enormous and, and, and uh, a fantastic athlete. Unfortunately, he died out of a kidney thing, as you remember, but Adidas rang us from, from, from England when the World Cup was in England and they said they hadn't got any size 14s left. But we, 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 had, we had pre-booked them. We had about three or four size 14s, which we had to get for the... You know, we, 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 we used to have in stock all the time. These things are pre-booked. You can't just buy them overnight. So they were there for him. We got a phone call from the management of the New Zealand, of the New Zealand team and John, who still works with us there, wrapped them up and we posted them off to their, to their London hotel in a reasonably big box, as you can well imagine. And it gave us a bit of added interest in them. And he, he actually contacted us by letter afterwards when he came home and thanking us for, yeah. for, for sealing the deal. By know? all accounts, he, he was a gent. A gentle giant is what he was, by all accounts. I met him years later there at, at, at the 30th reunion of our team. They, they, the All Blacks played Munster yes. in, in Thomond Park. And I have a lovely picture here with my, myself himself and my daughter. Mm. Um, and he he remembered that about the boots, which was which was a great thing, you know, lovely, lovely, lovely happening. Yeah, if it wasn't for his illness, they say he could have played a half a season with Munster. God, imagine that! It's like putting a red shirt on a fridge. Absolutely, <laughs> I mean, he, he he was one of the all-time greats. There's no question yeah, about yeah. that. And Rory Gallagher bought jeans yeah. off you. You know, a most a most extraordinary man, a very unassuming man for a guy who you know he was the best guitar player in the world and yeah. probably is remembered as, as same. A very unassuming guy, come in, try on a pair of jeans in the corner. Levi's jeans were the big thing that time, with flares, if you remember. Yeah. And he'd try them on the same as everybody else. He'd buy, he'd buy them in threes, then once the size was right, he'd go in and buy three. But twas, you know, he was very much an ordinary, understated individual, very pleasant for a man of such international fame and achievement. He was a very, very understated, unassuming individual, lovely to deal with. Yeah, and you'll have lovely memories like that, and 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 many of them. There's probably a, there's probably a book in the memories, boss. There probably is. When you look back, you know, when I started, and if there's some of your older listeners there who might be listening, they might remember the one thing that I loved about our shop was the characters that called in, and 
there was probably a little bit more space for characters in the world that time. Yeah. But Cork is a kind of a tone, as you know, that that characters can evolve in and, and, and come in, you know. When I started inside, there was the famous Clan Dyke, if you might remember him. He was, a, he was a guy that the students elected to the local council. And his his speeches were generally about building toilets for women in the centre of the city. And he got one built down on Merchant's Quay. And, and you, you know, Bernie Murphy, late in later times. Andy Gaw used to get his white handkerchief in our shop. Did he? When he walked down the, the middle of, of, of the Grand Parade and his hand shaking. But, and you had Holy Joe then, who was a, a pious individual. Yeah. And you had, you always remember the Cider Kid, whose party piece was, he was obviously fond of cider, like, but he, his big thing was he'd sneeze behind good looking women and they might jump and he'd get a fright. And that was, that was his fix, that like. Was his <laughs> 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 and, I, and you had the, uh, I suppose the last week, a fellow there, a fellow called Moses, he was calling. And he used to sleep in a coal bunker, so you can imagine we used to, we used to sell him very bright coloured clothes. Yeah, you but, wouldn't um, want him standing next to the shorts or anything. No, no. <laughs> but he he when he laughed, he used to start to bray like a donkey, and to, all the staff would try to get him to laugh. And you could you'd hear him in America, you know. Those, those kind of memories would be very they're hard to leave behind, but they're yeah. they're. They're yeah. wonderful to remember, and, and Cork is very much. You could sit down in your retirement and maybe do an old book. Well, there's, there's definitely a story in Finns Corner, and much more than I might have related there, and much more to do with people than anything else. Because, as you know, this places and things are generally more about people than the actual inanimate objects themselves. And we have great memories, like you know, our aunts all worked there, sisters, brothers, uncles, you know, and. It's an it's an emotional thing, but unfortunately yeah. we're leaving going. How hopefully while we're heading to the high field on a high note, you know. Good, good. You mentioned uh, there a few oh. minutes ago uh, that you did play on that iconic uh, monster yeah. team back in 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 nineteen seventy eight in 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 Tomon Park, the ones that beat beat the All Blacks, and by all accounts there must have been about one hundred and eighty thousand people at the match because yeah. everybody I know was there, but. Moss, I'd have to finish up with you by talking a little bit about rugby and a little bit about my beloved and many of my listeners' beloved Munster. Things aren't great at the moment, but from someone like yourself, should we should we stick with it and battle and, and, and keep keep our heads down and plug away, or is there change needed? Uh, perhaps. I'm, I'm, I'd be more of a clubman in, in modern terms than, than a Munster man. At this particular time, I'd be more interested in clubs like UCC and Highfield yeah. the Well. Dolphin and all that, and I go back to times when Ireland beat Australia, and there was in, in, in Australia, if I remember correctly, and there was a member of every Cork team on the Irish team. You know, yes. so I'd be more of a clubman than anything else. But the monster thing, what upsets me a little bit about the monster thing, and don't get me wrong, but I prefer to do things with our own than with others. And latterly, there when we were beaten by Ulster, the cameras went into the dugout and monster in the into the monster dugout and. You're looking at a South African, an Australian, and an Englishman in charge of Munster. And that sort of rankles me a little bit. I, I, I prefer to have a couple of our own fellas in there anyway, you know. So, yeah. and, and I think if we had that little bit of local flavour, it might give us a little bit more bite. Okay. Food food, food for thought. Moss, yeah. congratulations on, on the incredible success of Finn's Corner over the years. And I wish you and your team, your, your brother, and, and the great John, the lovely messages coming in about John, yeah. uh, the, the best in, in your retirement. And, and thank you for all you've done for the people of Cork for all these years. 
I appreciate that and vice versa. I'd be very thankful to the people of Cork. All right, Moss, thank you so much. 1850-715-996. Moss Finn. Great Moss Finn on the closure, the impending closure of Finn's Corner. It's about retirement. They're hanging up their boots and their uniforms for the last time, and we, we wish them well. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Courts 96 FM. With the solid fuel depot at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kill dry wood and gas. Solidfueldepot.ie. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96 FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Join me on Sunday morning when we take a look at what's happening in the arts in Cork and help you plan some great nights out at the theatre or see the latest films on release, catch a brilliant music gig or find the perfect book to get stuck into. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes Cork. Fresh, flowery and full of taste. It's at the root of what we do. On Quartz 96 FM. This is Quartz Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 715 On Quartz 96 FM. We have had an update from the City Council as to what to do if you're on that draft voters register, which will not now come into effect until after the general election. We've had a, a response back from Cork City Council and also we want to develop it a little further with uh, Oliver Moran from the Green Party. But a couple of comments about uh, Moss Finn. Patrick says, Many a date was broken outside Finn's corner. You'd spy around the corner to the Queen's Old Castle where you were supposed to meet her. And if she turned up and then you'd leg it if you didn't like the view. Ah, that was rotten, Patrick. Finns will be deeply missed. Always a quality experience going in there. Brendan on Twitter says, John Dwyer is a pure gentleman for many years. I wish him the best for the future. Frank wants to know if there's any chance Moth would light out with Munster next week. <laughs> so members of the public who have registered to vote within the last year in Cork City will automatically be added to the supplementary register of electors for the general election. Remember this arose when Leo Varadkar called the election for the 8th of February. The draft register doesn't come into effect legally until the 15th of February. So potentially thousands of people could be left out. That would be people who registered to vote for the first time or people who were moving house and re-registered their vote into the draft register as you're told to do and supposed to do every autumn. Doesn't kick in until the 15th so people could be disenfranchised. But there is another way. There is another way and Cork City Council have now said that they will add new voters to the supplementary register for this election and that people should contact the franchise office in the city and county hall uh, so that they can get added. Oliver Moran of the Green Party. Oliver, good morning. Good morning, PJ, yes. Uh, the teacher went out two weeks early for people on the on the draft register. Um, whatever the reasons are, I suppose we, we'll know in time, but we might never know. But a lot of people could be potentially disenfranchised. However, there is an opportunity. There is an opportunity. So, so I, I, everybody should check. If, if you registered in last year, you definitely go and check. Now, I was in contact with City Hall yesterday, and they were saying to me that uh, they were doing the two at once. So as they were pre- preparing the draft register, they were also putting people on the supplementary register. But you, you should still check. Now, City Hall or County Hall then couldn't confirm 
read yesterday what, they, what uh, the approach they were taking. So definitely, if you're registered in last year in the county, 100% you should, you should contact the franchise office in the county. So if you did register last year and you're not 100% sure of whether you have a vote or not, the first thing you can do is go to checktheregister.ie, isn't that right? I, I, I don't believe so in this case. Because they would like they would be working off the full register on okay. register. Okay. Um, and it would be it's it, it's 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 uh, it's a very annoying thing about the way the register is done in Ireland that it's done on uh, each local authority maintains its own electoral register. So even like a constituency like Cork North Central, it's actually divided between Cork County Council uh, has one register, Cork City Council has the other, and then each year they, they prepare the full register for each place. And I think if you go to check the register.ie, that's actually what you're going to be checking. Uh, so if if you're in doubt, contact the franchise office directly. They're always very friendly people in the franchise office, I, I find. So just you can email franchise at corkcity.ie or franchise at corkcoco.ie and you'll get in touch with them. Okay. And when, when is the closing date for this? So to, if you want a postal vote, today is the, postal, is a, the closing date for the postal vote. So you, you'll have to get down to City Hall very sharp um, it's 5 o'clock today uh, so you still have an opportunity that's if you're if you're a student uh, and you will be away from where you're registered to vote on polling day or if you're a member of Angolish or some you know, or an, an official service and you'll, you'll be away but primarily it's for students uh, so that's today at 5 o'clock uh, you'll have to go in person at this stage uh, if you the, the normal closing date for uh, everybody else is uh, Wednesday next week so uh, so, if I would say verify today anyway what your status is if you, if you registered it last year. Um, for everybody else, go to checkregister.ie just to make sure that you haven't been removed for, for some reason. They often go in and do a clean-up um, and they end up removing people accidentally. Uh, so, if everybody, no matter what, should go and check register.ie and if it says there that you're not registered, it'll, it'll give you links to forms and you, you have a week at this stage to do it. It's the first candidate, actually, that, that I had the opportunity to ask this question. We vote on a Saturday for the first time since 100 or since 1918. Will it make a difference, do you think? It, it will. <laughs> well, I, I have a sister who, who's a primary school teacher and it, it, it made the first difference to them. I think they're all waiting in the staff room that they won't have the day off. Uh, but for everybody else, uh, the impact will be, look, for most people, they won't be dancing around work. Um, you know, there, there won't be issues with you know having to find childminders uh, for uh, primary school kids who are off school. Uh, for students, a lot of them will be home. Um, that's, that was primarily the reason for having a postal vote system for students, because many of them will be away from where they're registered to vote. And this time around, they'll pro- probably be at home. Um, yeah, look, it's, 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 weekend voting is actually something which we've been pushing for in the Green Party for a while, because okay. we, we think it's easier for people to, to, to vote at weekends. Um, well, we have and it now, I, and we'll, we'll see. We have it now, we'll, and, we'll see what the effect we'll have, will be. We we'll just have to see how it goes. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's interesting. First time in 102 years, and of course, that one 102 years ago was a very significant election. That was the uh, the election that's returned first all. Indeed, indeed. All right, Oliver. Thank you very much, Oliver Morey, Oliver Moran, uh, City Councillor and candidate for the Green Party in Cork North Central. I don't propose to read out the list again. Uh, I have read out the list of candidates in Cork North Central once on this program. I, I don't think I have to read it out again. Um, We've done we've done it once, but thank you for that. 1850-715-996. Actually, Lorraine O'Neill is also a candidate for Fine Gael in Cork North Central. And straight away, we're not two or three days into it. Um, we've had one or two complaints come to us 
about posters in dangerous places. I reckon you'll only see the real weight of posters going up this weekend. Uh, they've been kind of going up in ones and twos. The big parties have their posters up uh, around the various constituencies, but there'll be an absolute raft of them up across the weekend. And Lorraine, they need to be put up safely, don't they? Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Yes, absolutely, very safely. So we have our, I suppose it's volunteers more than anything that go out, but we have our campaign manager that makes sure everybody puts them up the correct way with the ties, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you've posted on Facebook that if anyone sees any of your posters in an unsafe place, to contact you. Absolutely, because, you know, this morning, PJ, I got a, a message at about 8 o'clock from a lady I would know just saying, Lorraine, one of your signs on Ballyhooley Road is blowing. It looks very dangerous. So myself and my husband went up, and to be honest, that's quite a windy road anyway. Mm. But there was about five of them down, so I was literally blown away. And we just got them out of the way, but I just wanted to make sure, I suppose from experience, PJ, the last time I saw that this this is a thing that happens, and it's something that I wouldn't be comfortable with. So it's just to make sure people can get them up and out of harm's way. A couple of mine were loose, and even that's with having three cable ties on them. So we just pull them down. And so I suppose anything I've taken down and out of the way won't go back up. Yes, but if anybody, if anybody wants to uh, mention a poster to you just get you on Facebook I guess uh, yeah I'd be delighted because you know I, I think down the line hopefully somebody creative will come up with a better way of campaigning but at the moment this is the way all the candidates go yeah. everybody has to post well, lots of people now Lorraine contacting us certainly since the Taoiseach fired the starter's pistol the other day would say we don't want any posters they're old hat we don't yeah. need them anymore well, is this the general public, PJ, or are the candidates? General public, a lot of people yeah. contacting this show is like, do we need, do we really need posters anymore? We have Facebook and we have Twitter and we have all sorts of things. Uh, well, I don't think we do. I really don't, down the line. Now, I'm a very new candidate and the advice I would get is that you, you have to be out there, Lorraine. Everybody else is there. Mm. You have to have your, your face out there. I suppose it's name recognition, it's face recognition. But I firmly believe there has to be a better way. In France, they do a billboard in each area yes. and all the candidates' pictures go up. I think that's a fantastic way. And you know what? I think once a system is put in place that everybody can follow, this is the way to go. I actually... Before I was ever a candidate, I used to think, oh, no, here go the posters. And they're everywhere. You have three on a pole, and you're going all around Cork. And it, to me, it is an eyesore. And also, PJ, a lot of suburbs now are going poster-free because there's tidy towns. Like, upper, upper Glenmire here now has declared it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, Upper Glenmire, Glanthorn Village, Sallybrook in Glenmire, Blarney Village. So, you know, people really want their areas respected. And... I totally understand that. You need, need to but change I, it down the line, but for now, I guess if you're not in, uh, you're not up there, you won't be seen. Lorraine O'Neill, Finnegale candidate in Cork North Central, thank you again. Because I listed it out earlier, I don't propose to read the full list again. 1850 Councillor John Maher says posters are very important in the area, but they must complement hard work and knocking on doors. Yes, to central areas for posters, but until then they're crucial for candidates, especially newer candidates. Frank wants me to start asking candidates if they support mandatory voting. Something we might do 
a little closer to the election, Frank, and see. Martin Condon says, I'm a poster-free independent candidate in Cork North Central. People don't want posters. They represent outdated ways and candidates who are unwilling to change. Uh, Upper Glen Myers says Brian is poster-free. Rory says the weekend vote is very handy, as a lot of Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael voters would be busy working on a weekday. Ooh. With regard to the reading of lists of candidates, Kevin says you could just say after you've read it once that the full list is available on the website. Job done. If that's not good enough, it only proves the need for posters. Well, what we're going to do, uh, Kevin, is limit it to once a day per, per, per constituency is probably the fairest way in which we can do it. Now, Jerry Buttimer, Senator Jerry Buttimer, uh, he walked into this one. He's walked into it. He's under a bit of pressure now or coming under criticism for comments about the young offenders. Now, one thing you should know in Cork is to be very careful about what you say about the young offenders. Um, And Senator Buttimer raised the issue of it in a conversation at the Joint Policing Committee where he said while he liked the show, the one thing that disappointed him about the programme was the youngsters partaking in cigarette smoking. Jerry, you should know at this stage, when you're in an election campaign, think it but don't flip and say it, man. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. No, first of all, can I say that I am a big fan of Young Offenders and it's been a tremendous boost and asset to Cork. My comments were made in the context of the uh, Public Health Alcohol Act and in light of a presentation given to us about the below-cost selling of alcohol in the retail sector before Christmas. And we were talking about the introduction of the minimum pricing so that we could make alcohol less you know, cheap for, in terms of its impact on society. But I was just making the point that the issue of the young offenders was that they're normalising smoking by allowing the depiction of young people to smoke. And as you know, PJ, I chaired the health committee, which, which had the scrutiny in terms of the plain packaging. Mm-hmm. Uh, and research has shown that young people, children, teenagers, adolescents, learn to smoke from their peers and are influenced. Uh, And the point I was making was that 6,000 people die per year. There's a billion euro in cost to the state from ill health, absenteeism, the cost to the state. Uh, And that's 78% of people who under the age of 18 smoke PG and are addicted by... But the point is, it's not up to government or any member of government to interfere with the editorial practices of a private company making a television programme and reflecting the city as it wants to do so. And I wasn't, and again, if you want to have a fair conversation about it, I wasn't in any way criticising the show, the characters, or, or, or the programme itself. I watch it and I think it's a fantastic boost and asset to Cork. The point I was making was that rather than having people smoking, they should perhaps have had people not smoking. And it would have been a wonderful opportunity to demonormalise cigarette smoking, uh, to get out facts about the impact of cigarettes. And as you know, PJ, young people smoke because it looks cool at that formative age and that was the only point i was making okay. that's why that's why pj we're banning flavored uh, cigarettes that's why we're flavor banning flavored vaping because that. it's about denormalizing and i'm not criticizing the show in okay. any shape or form what i was doing was highlighting in my conversation piece at the meeting about the public health alcohol bill about okay. the low below cost selling of alcohol and that what i was saying was that smoking kills role models create impressions and, and, and that we should use programmes like Young Offenders to promote non-smoking. Oh. We're, we're moving towards tobacco-free Ireland, uh, and I don't in any way demure from the fact that 
as part of the programme. It's a bit risque. It, it, it's funny. I think it's a fantastic programme. And I was just saying that perhaps it was a missed opportunity okay. uh, to, to be able to promote an alternative to smoking. Right. Not criticising the programme in okay. any shape or form. Okay, okay. Well, leave, leave, leave that point there. Just, uh, we, we were talking to Oliver Moore a while ago and others uh, about the whole registration thing. Uh, we are getting a few queries about postal votes for people with a disability. Because of the lack of, clari- of clarity with regard to the register, if you're disabled and you think you might need a postal vote, you need to go today and figure out, can you get it? Today is the day. From, I, I spoke to the franchise people this morning in City Hall, and my information is today, uh, by close of business today, is, is the application for the, for the disabled voter, the, the voting at home vote. And it's, it's a pity that it can't be extended longer, PJ, because it, it, it's something that we are falling behind in as a country, and that's why I hope... The Do you know, Jerry, now that I have a Fine Gaelor on the line, um, would it not have been a very simple expedient for the Taoiseach to let the Doyle reconvene and change the date in a matter of a half an hour by statutory instrument or by whatever he needed to do to change the date of the draft register coming into effect? Again, PJ, I think people can register vote as a supplementary register as a means of, of, of being able to vote. It's not as clear and simple as you say from my information. Uh, there's, there's a whole different means of, 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 of having what you... I heard Sean Fleming the other morning. On a I was just about to quote him, yeah. He said it could be yeah. done in a, in a half an hour in the door. My information is it couldn't be. All right. Um, All right. Many of these things are not the way it seems. Not as simple as that. No, I think the important point is people can get on the sort of majority register. But what we must do in the future, Peter, is to make it easier for people to vote. And well, that's why the, I think the very simple, easy way to do it is that the next government, whatever shape it has, goes in to, and, and looks at this and says that the draft register of electors takes effect, immediate effect, on the 1st of January. That's how you well, do it's it. Always, it's always been the 15th of February for some reason. Yeah, well, Peter, we, to, we, we used to have the budget in April. Do you know what I mean? So we, we, yeah. we, it, it should, the simple solution is that it needs to take effect on the, on the 1st of January from here on in. Uh, Jerry, thank you very much. Senator Jerry Baltimore, candidate in Cork South Central, which obliges me, and as I say, once a day is the most we'll do it for any constituency. It obliges me to list the, the candidates in Cork South Central. They are, of course, uh, Senator Baltimore, uh, Fine Gael, and the Thonish to Simon Coveney, also Fine Gael. Deputies Michal Martin and Michael McGrath of Fine Gael, or Fianna Fáil, rather. Uh, Deputy Donegal O'Leary of Sinn Féin. Uh, Lorna Brogue, our Councillor Lorna Bogue of the Green Party, Bobby Murray Walsh of People Before Profit, Kira Kennedy of Labour, and Patricia O'Dwyer of the Social Democrats. Morris says Jerry has a point. There are so many restrictions on drink and tobacco advertising now. Be sure the company is looking for avenues to advertise. Whatever about murals, the products in such a popular series are definitely going to have a big influence, more particularly when there's no exposure elsewhere. Another caller doesn't like young offenders at all. She said the smoking is a disgrace. We're all trying to get people off the cigarettes. Caller's been a casual smoker since the 70s. She thinks this is totally outdated. We've gone beyond that. Looking at old pictures, her father had a cigarette in every hand, and she hates to see it. Doesn't agree on everything, Jerry says, but agrees with this. And actually, I just the last couple of weeks, I've started to watch myself, The Crown, on, on Netflix. I'm hooked on it. Brilliant. It's so well made. But the amount of smoking in Buckingham Palace back in the day was just phenomenal. They smoked like trains. So they did. 1857-15996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Solid Fuel Depot at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Great deals on all solid fuels with seven-day delivery. SolidFuelDepot.ie. 
There's 1,440 minutes in your day. Is it filled with the music you love? Give us just 10 minutes of your time and it will be. Have your say on the songs we play with the Cork's 96FM music panel. Go to 96FM.ie now and you could win a 100 euro shopping voucher. The survey only takes 10 minutes. Join the Cork's 96FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96FM.ie. Just before I go, you know, all of the usual suspects, and you're hearing some of them, and I'm not going to name any of them, but you know who they are. All the usual suspects will access this program as much as they want in the next couple of weeks because they know how to do it. They know how to, you know, get themselves on the air. If you're a candidate that we don't know about and that you want us to know that you're in the race, contact us. Get in touch by text or WhatsApp. Message us uh, through Twitter. Or indeed, you can send yeah send us a direct message. Or indeed, you can go to the Cork's 96FM Facebook page. Or fling us an email to opinion at 96FM.ie. Just introduce yourself. Tell us who you are. Tell us where you're standing. Uh, give us a flipping contact number. Even the people who don't. And we'll include you uh, the first opportunity that we get. See you tomorrow, just after nine.